God bless you. Walking Liberty. Good evening, everyone. Lord, I humbly decrease and ask that you increase in me so that this word is received with full acceptance and love. Amen. So, we all want affection and attachment. We all crave love. We were designed in God's image, which means we were designed to both give love and receive love. In fact, Jesus commanded it. When he was speaking in John chapter 15, verse 12, he said, love each other as I have loved you. And remember, Jesus died for us, so there's no deeper love than that. Um, we should all strive towards giving that same level of love that God gives us each day. And staying within the same chapter of John 15, verse 10 says, obeying Christ's commandments is how we stay in his love. And if you continue to read down to verse 14, it says that if we keep his commandments, we shall be called his friends. 1 John 4, 7 says, whoever loves is a child of God, or King James Version says, born of God. And I don't know about you, but I want to be called a friend of Jesus and a child of God. So let's take a look at what love actually is. The dictionary definition of love is an intense feeling of deep affection. In the Bible, love is defined as God himself. God is love. And that's referenced, uh, for those of you who want to know, in 1 John 4, 8, and also 1 John 4, 16. God is full of mercy and grace, so it makes sense that he is literally deep affection because that's what he shows us every single day. When we look at 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8, it describes love as being patient, kind, enduring, faithful, hopeful, not proud, boastful, or jealous, etc. Love never fails. And we're all saved by having faith, but love is what sustains us. 1 Corinthians 13.13 13 stated there are only three things that will last forever, and that's faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. And in Colossians 3.14, it says that above all, we need to be loving because it ties everything together in perfect harmony. So it's safe to say that we need to love to fulfill our purpose in life. So 1 John 4.16 says that love is how we dwell in God. Since God is love, our sustainability comes from us seeking to fill ourselves up with him so that we can have a lasting connection. So that means that we are created by love himself, designed to give love and to receive love. And in an ideal world, that will work perfectly. However, we're in a fallen world, so not everyone can give and receive love properly in the way God intended us to do so. And that's why the topic of my message is desperate for love because we all are desperate for love as love is our source of nourishment. We need love to grow and function. So how is it that we get off track from this? Well, usually it's our life experiences that skew our thinking. We lose our sense of our true selves and knowing who we are. And so ultimately we don't understand our purpose. And as Pastor Mel quotes sometimes, where purpose is not known, abuse is inevitable. Our design is to love, but if we don't know that, 
what we pour out and what we put in will be a twisted version of love. Pastor Keith stated in um, a previous teaching that the perverted version of love is lust. And Satan uses the lust that's inside of us to destroy and pervert our situations, relationships with people, and our spiritual gifting and even our talents. His ultimate goal is to destroy everyone. And so Satan will try to use your lust to turn you into an atomic bomb to blow up everyone around you. And sometimes when we think of lust, we think of sexual, like sexual immorality. But really, lust is anything that acts as a temporary filler, method to relieve or reprieve, or a means of escape in your life that takes away from you operating in your godly designed purpose. Lust is insatiable and it's self-seeking. Lust doesn't line up with the word of God. Lust does not nourish or heal any person. And any person that's lacking in understanding what love is can fall into lust. So personal story about me, I have wanted to be married since I was born. I think it was probably one of my first memories. And I had like, I know, hey girl, I had like a mental checklist of what my husband would be. So when I became of dating age, um, when I would date a guy, if he missed a couple of boxes, I was like, okay, this isn't gonna work. You're not my husband. And so I was thinking more about the man that would be in the spot of the husband than I was thinking about being a God-designed wife for him or him being a godly-designed husband for me or our marriage being Christ's representation on earth. And I lusted so bad over this fantasy marriage that I actually, over time, made seeking a marriage to become an idol of mine. And for those of you who don't know, idolatry can happen as a result of prolonged lust, which is why it's important that we stay away from it. Once I finally got married in the marriage that I craved so badly, it didn't provide me my fullness. And I thought I was going to get that. And actually, I felt empty. And the reason why is because God wasn't in the center. But because God wasn't in the center of my life, the void that I had that could have been filled with God, I didn't understand or accept my purpose or my God design that I'm supposed to love. So I turned to another method of lust, which was spending money. And I know some of you heard uh, our uh, testimony, thank you, um, the other week. And I was talking about how we got into all this debt. And thank God we were delivered from it. But it was insatiable. And, and that's what lust will do to you. It's insatiable, and the insatiability just grows larger and larger as time progresses to the point where sometimes you're in a situation where you can't just walk away from it. So I want everyone to ask yourself, is there anything in your life that you're using as a means of relief, escape, or false satisfaction? There's only one way to gain fullness and to quench our thirst, and that's by drawing it from the only source that's designed to sustain us, and that's God. We are drawing from love so we can fill up with love and pour out love. This creates a healthy cycle of giving and receiving love, just like God intended. Now, I want to look at a passage in the Bible that shows what happens when we are desperate for love, but we don't draw from the correct source. And that's the story of Jacob, Leah, and Rachel, and that's in Genesis chapter 29 and 30. And I want to focus on Leah during a, the portion of this passage. So just a little background on Leah. She was the oldest daughter of Laban. She was 
in the Bible as not the prettiest woman in the world. Um, she had a younger sister who was really pretty. Um, in fact, her father actually had to trick her husband into marrying her. She had to share her husband with her younger sister, and her husband loved her younger sister more than he loved her. So it's safe to say she didn't have the best life, the best hands dealt. And Leah, she was a believer, but she desperately wanted her husband to love her. And although she believed and she even prayed to God, her priorities were a little messed up. But although she wasn't on the exact path that God had for her as far as um, her faithfulness, God saw that she wasn't loved, and so he blessed her to be able to have kids. And her sister couldn't at the time, so she kind of thought she had a one-up on her. So although God was working behind the scenes for Leah, she was still focusing on the wrong things. She became obsessed with her husband loving her and the fact that she wasn't loved so much so that she even named her kids after her obsession. Her firstborn son was Reuben, and that was because she said, the Lord saw my misery, and now my husband will love me. Her second kid's name was Simeon, and it was like God saw that I was unloved, and he has given me another son. Kid number three, Levi. Surely this time my husband will feel affection for me. And, and so on. And although it's true that Leah's circumstances were draining and unfavorable during this time, she didn't turn to the one source of nourishment that she had to gain her fill, and that was God. And this way of thinking for her lasted for many years. As you can imagine, it takes time to have kids. So she was stuck in time while living a life of unfulfillment. She was desperate for something so much so that it consumed her entire life. And when we become desperate, we start doing things outside of our character. Now, at one point after Leah had her fourth child, she said she was going to praise the Lord. So she actually stopped having kids for um, a little bit. Now, her sister at that time started getting pregnant. So because she had that void, because she wasn't filling herself up with God and godly love, she started comparing herself to her sister again, and then she started to try to compete with her. So her only mode of competition in her mind was to give her maidservant over to her husband to sleep with so that her maidservant could start having babies, so she could keep up her children count for her family. And so this goes against anything that she actually wanted. She wanted to be loved and adorned by her husband and then it turned into her giving her maidservant to her husband to sleep with makes no sense but that's what happens whenever we become so desperate for something that we lose our focus on what's important and that's God and you know we can't get off track like this from our purpose because it's going to lead us down to a path that we're not designed to sustain and if you're anything like me and you've lost focus of your true design at some point in your life, whether it's now or before, you can start by getting on track and achieving the goal of living a life in love. So I learned during this last season of my life that you can't live a life of love if you're operating your spiritual walk on a surface level. So what I mean when I say surface level is it's more than just living a morally good life, saying simple prayers and coming to church. Um, which is what I was doing. I don't know about y'all. Um, but you have to devote your entire self, your entire life to God. Side note, so me and my husband read Bible stories to our kids every night, and we love it. They love it too. And sometimes at the end of the Bible story, we'll ask, um, what is God saying to you about mommy and daddy? Some of y'all have heard this story. 
So one night we asked our oldest son, Carter, and Carter was like, I don't know, God is telling me that you need to be a nun or something. And I was like, a nun? What do you mean? I'm not Catholic. I'm married already. Like, this, is, this doesn't make any sense. So, of course, like, it, it resonated with me. So I started doing research on what it means to be a nun. What is the purpose of being a nun? And nuns sacrifice, basically, by, like, living a life of poverty. They live in, usually, the church. And, and they don't marry because they want to devote their entire lives to serving God so that they can essentially spread the word of God to everyone in the world. So that was really powerful for me. And so I looked at what a nun is, and I looked at my personal life, and I knew at that point I needed behavior changes. And if you're at a place in your life where you need to make behavioral changes, hopefully the information that I give you will help um, in getting you there. Um, some of the things that I did was first get the word. So we come to every service now. And I used to not come to every service, and I had an excuse for every time I didn't come. So sometimes I'd be like, well, I'm just too tired. I'm sleepy. Or I'll be like, well, I have small children, and I don't want them to run around the church or whatever. And I even got entitled and was like, well, you know, going to church doesn't even make you a Christian. I know uh, plenty of people that are going to church, and they're not even living right. So why do I have to go to every service? But then the Holy Spirit arrested me and said, why would you ever miss the opportunity to hear from God? And then when that downloaded into my brain, I was like, it makes no sense. So I started coming to every church service that I could, and, um, which is every one, because you can plan your life around coming to church. Anyway, also, um, and oh, I'm sorry, because I like to give word to support what I'm saying. So Hebrews 10.25 speaks about um, the importance of going to church. Um, next, um, I upped my service. So I already served in the church, but I upped my serving game by volunteering for whatever I could. And for anyone who's not currently serving or wants to serve more, I suggest you serve in an area where you don't have experience um, or something that you maybe don't necessarily want to do because that's going to increase your endurance. And yes, I'm talking about children's ministry. You need to volunteer. <laughs> because at the end of the day, even if you don't learn anything else, you'll learn patience. And that's going to increase your faith. So, true. Lord, yeah. so <laughs> I also try to serve by giving. So I did not have a heart of giving before. In fact, I was a little stingy. But you know what? That's fine. So we all grow. But so I just start giving to people in any way that I could, whether it was my time, whether it was words of encouragement, whether it was my intention, or just giving presents. I love giving presents to people. And so that's just what I do. Any way that I can give, I try. Um, and so oh, Hebrews 6.10, um, God won't forget how hard you work. So if you're working hard, and you don't feel like you're being noticed, God is watching. Proverbs 11.25, in the easy-to-read version, I like it. It says, give freely, and you will profit. Help others, and you will gain more for yourself. So you gain more by giving more. So there shouldn't be any hesitancy on giving. Next, um, I changed my prayer life. So deeper prayer. So my prayer life before was very surface and usually nonspecific. So my prayer life became more intentional, 
more regular, uh, more specific, I was completely honest with God. It was more of like conversational prayer because what I realized is God can't bless or change who you pretend to be. So what's really important is that however you are, you're coming to God with your honest self. So even if your thoughts aren't lined up, God will download in you to change your mindset or he'll give someone else the wisdom to tell you to change your mindset in love. Um, I also started a prayer journal because I wanted to see the manifestations of the miracles around me. So my prayer became not only more intentional, but I was actually praying for people specifically. So I just kind of wanted to see how their life changed. So I wanted to keep up with it. So Second Chronicles 7.14 um, talks about how we have to humble ourselves and pray. And Ephesians 6.18 says pray in the spirit at all times. You can study that at your leisure. This is a high level overview of them. Uh, 7.14. I'm sorry. Probably a little nervous. Anyway. So next, um, I read a lot of Christian books and Bible plans. Um, I think that they're helpful because they give you another interpretation of what someone else is reading. Because although we are reading the Bible, we are experiencing different things every time that we read it. So it's good to hear what other people's interpretations are sometimes. And um, I just want to let you know that Christian books and Bible plans should not take the place of you reading the actual Bible. Everybody should read a set amount of chapters every day, and then the supplements should be done on top of that. Just saying. Joshua 1.8 says, meditate day and night on the word. And then Romans 10.17 says, faith comes from hearing the word of God. So you actually have to read to hear the word of God, and that's going to build your faith. And then... Of course, you need to ask questions. So use your spiritual counselors or trusted godly people in the church or even some of the ministers. They're literally here to serve you, like they like devoted their lives to do this. So it's very beneficial if you come to them anytime you have a question. I know I do. So, I mean, I'm getting my help, but I'm just saying you should too. Um, because at the end of the day, <laughs> Life changes are so uncomfortable, but it's easier to do the work and make the changes when you have somebody to lean on. And so uh, Proverbs 12:15 says, uh, it's wise to listen to others, but godly people, not just anybody. Um, and then Proverbs 11:14 says, there um, is safety in advisors, again, godly, and um, you can fall without wise leadership. So it's really important to really, you know, ask those questions that you're going to have. Everybody has questions about everything. I mean, you're going to come across something in the Bible that doesn't make sense that you need to explain. Or just, you know, you need to come across, like, if, if your thought processes are even correctly. Like, sometimes how you're thinking is what's leading you astray. And so you need to run that by somebody else to know. And then you want to stop anything that could cause you to stumble or stop your flow of love. So hearing from God and receiving. So the first thing that I did, and this was a while ago, but I did it, um, was stopped all alcohol consumption. And I wasn't even a heavy drinker. Like I barely even really drank and I only drank occasionally. And then when I would hear Pastor Keith and Pastor Melanie talk about it, I would be like, oh, those are for drunkards. They're not talking to me because I don't have a problem with drinking. So all of you heathens, stop what you're doing. Stop your madness. And so then 
God gave me a revelation that anything that goes in my body that can alter my ability to think, see, or hear clearly is not needed. And no matter what your personal or spiritual view of alcohol is, if you're in a season where you're trying to elevate your life, which should be every season, um, it would be best for you to remove anything that could cause your ability to stop getting what you need from God. And that's all I'm going to say about that. So, also, another thing that I stopped doing was I stopped watching too much TV. So, like, I love reality shows. Okay, it might just be me. That's fine. But, as you know, reality shows are super dramatic. They're kind of toxic. But they're so entertaining. And, and you know all the people. And you get invested in their lives. Oh, celebrities. Okay, that's my whole thing. Okay, let me stop talking to you. Anyway. So, but what I had to learn is if anything is taking too much time away from me being able to elevate my relationship with God, being able to study, being able to research all of my questions that I have throughout my studies, then I need to lessen it. And I don't, I haven't removed TV all the way from my life, but I did decrease it significantly. And then this one was the hardest for me, and that was I had to stop hanging out with certain people. And child, okay, so this took a time. It was like a phase, okay? I had to phase out certain people. Because at the end of the day, I think that sometimes when we think of friendships, we think that, um, oh, but this person was here for me during my low point, or, oh, this person and me, we, we just, we connect and we talk about so much stuff. But think about it. If your friendships or relationships with people don't align with the word of God, meaning that what they're sowing into you, like you get gossipy when you're talking to them, or uh, what they believe doesn't match up with the word of God, or even the way that they're living their life doesn't necessarily match up with the word of God. It may not be the best for you to interact with those people. And if you have questions on certain people that you need to hang out with, uh, revert back to the ask questions section. Use your spiritual counselors. They'll tell you if you need to stop hanging out with them. So, oh, and I'm sorry. So Matthew 633, you need to seek ye first the kingdom of God because you'll know when you seek it who doesn't who isn't seeking it with you. So whenever they're not aligning with it, it'll come out because then your relationship will start getting really uncomfortable. And then, of course, Ephesians 4, through 23, it says that you need to throw off your old self, which is corrupted, sorry, it's my handwriting, with sin and lust, and instead renew your thoughts and attitudes. So if you renew your thoughts of attitudes and you throw off your old self and it misaligns with the people that you have relationships with, you ultimately need to disconnect that, that relationship. So I say all this to say that we're all looking to fill our voids in life and no one is exempt. But the only thing that won't lead us to death is God. And I'm not just speaking about eternity, but I'm talking about living a faith-filled, love-filled, whole and full life. Thank you.